DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Oh, yeah, and then you'll just scream boom like we all did when Sam Merrill made that game-winning shot a year ago. Conference-clinching shot. Question of the morning. We have multiple ones. PK went crazy on Facebook. you got tons of questions to choose from. Go to DJ and PK. <laughs> the one we're currently uh, discussing, Ursan Ilyasova, what's he going to bring to the Jazz? Josh says, one more person for Joe Ingles to harass. Uh, make fun of? Yeah, Joe will be here in half an hour. Now, they played for the same team, Barcelona, I believe, but not at the same time, even though they're the same age. They're both 33 years old. And uh, I think that uh, we've already discussed that uh, this young man, Urson, was playing uh, as a 20, 21-year-old because we said he played with the Bucks for 19. Then he went to Spain. I think it was Barcelona. I forgot to double-check that. And Joe didn't start out at Barcelona. He played there a little later. But they probably have some kind of connection. It seems like know the same people, international yep. guys. Yeah, basketball is a small I world. Can, I remember one time we were in the back when you can go in the locker room, and Hano Medela was with the with the Utes, and they played some foreign the team that had a foreign guy, and he, he was telling us. I mean, me and Jim Burton of the Standard Examiner were were standing in front of him, and he says, "Yeah, they asked me if I knew this guy because." They think that just because I'm from Europe that I know every single player who's ever played basketball from Europe. (laughs) Okay, and I get that, but I can't tell you in the five years that I did the uh, pre-half and post with Pace and Thurl, both of whom played in the NBA and in Europe, how often Uh they'd be watching a game and saying, I played against him. I remember when he was a kid coming up. It was unbelievable how many people they knew because it is a small world and especially at the elite level but that right at the elite level Sihana wasn't at the he elite level You're right. he was a teenager yeah. yep so there was more kids playing at that point the higher you go the narrower the pool gets obviously so i can understand at the pro level where there would be some type of connection because there's for a few guys who play at the pro level so I don't know if these two know each other to what extent, probably to some extent. To what extent, I don't know. Maybe we can ask Joe and he can tell us. Chuck tweets Addison, says, scoring touch, experience, and toughness. Man, if those three things are all true, then that's a win. Well, I can look at the stats and see, you know, when he was in his prime in his 20s, he scored, and I called up the stats, and you're right, I was misreading that, uh, T.O.T., thank you for, cor- for correcting me, uh, that as I looked up the stats, and sure, when he was in his 20s, he was regularly scoring in double figures, uh, his average, right? Oh, yeah. So there's no question about that. That uh, it sunk. Uh, when we got to when he was 31, 32, his last two years with the Bucks, it was just six points a game. I'm wondering at that point – and I don't know this, I'd have to do the research, was it because the Bucks were better and so they got better talent so his role was reduced or was there some slippage there or some combination of both? Uh, as far as the toughness, I haven't seen him enough to know that. I'm with you on the toughness. I'd like to see that, uh, to see how, 
how tough and how finesse, and also players change over time, so whatever he was when he was 26 may not be what he is uh, now. We'll have to see. His scoring has dropped the last couple years, and I think there's multiple reasons. Uh, one is that uh, going back to the Bucks. Well, they got two guys who are getting shots, so <laughs> yeah, you're not that's getting what I'm the ball as much. Their talent level got better, but also obviously, his, obviously Ante Antetokounmpo came on the yeah, scene and then uh, burst to stardom. Right. And and Middleton's getting shots too, but also his playing time went down. So his scoring yeah. in relation to his playing time doesn't drop as much. Uh, but better teammates are demanding shots. His playing time and not two things, PK. It's not a couple of things. It's three. Well, I assume how, it's because the team how, got better. And also, but how good is he? Has he lost a little something? You know, maybe he's not as explosive uh, sure. and he's not getting as much stuff going to the rim and he's hitting more jumpers. I don't know that. Was well, he I don't either. We'll have though. to see that when he, uh yeah, he's he was long and athletic early on, not watching a lot of, you know, Bucks and uh and Pistons games, but seeing clips and seeing highlights. Watching none of them. Right. Well, and you saw him when the Jazz played him. I mean, and you see, I don't remember. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> do you remember? He was long and athletic. I know that more from <laughs> clips than games. He was long okay. and athletic. How much of that athleticism he still has, I don't know. You know, we'll we'll find that out. And I don't know how much of it the Jazz need. I mean, you it, it, do they respect him enough to spread the floor? And occasionally, can he go to the hoop and finish? I mean, they didn't get they didn't get bogey oh, for I'm his sure dunks, he can. right? They didn't get bogey for his dunks, but. When they close out on him really hard and he beats him off the dribble and throws one down, everybody approves. <laughs> so, now how much of that you get, we'll have to see when he gets here. Uh, Josh, I'm sure he could do that. He, yeah. he can do that to some extent, don't you think? And that's the point. To, to what extent? I do think he can do it to some extent. He's tall. He's not, you know, not dunking anymore. But how much does he want to do it in traffic? I don't have a good feel for that, you know. Does he get in there and flip the ball up real quick and try to beat the shot blocker? Does he want to go right at people and just throw it down and oh, stand Oh, you got to take it right into them, right into their chest. That's the way you approach a shot blocker. I'm reading that. That's page 74. Well, in the case of you and I, you got to take it right in, hit the trampoline right, then take it into their chest and, and dunk go it. Go right through and them. And then you if you've got, got a star on, on offense, you're playing defense, you got to show them multiple looks. That's on 78. Josh says, I would hope minutes are scarce, as they would not be taken from Oni when he plays. He brings energy and hustle every minute. Snyder is smarter than that. Well, I mean, I don't think they signed him just to sit there the entire time. Keldon says he's insurance if any of the top nine guys get hurt or if they want to play big but still need to stretch the court. They can do that with Urson. And I think that's an important aspect because, you know, they've been very fortunate with Rudy. He's been extremely durable, Mm -hmm. right? And Favors, you know, he's had injury issues throughout his career. I think he's somewhat of a warrior. I can still remember him dragging that leg up and down the court there. It was painful to watch. So uh, I think that that, as I think about it, with with this man's size being 6'9", in the 230, 240 range, that you know maybe they could slip him in there if they needed to if something were to happen with uh, Favors or Gobert. Knock on wood that it doesn't happen to Gobert because that's just awful. Uh, but maybe they can use him in that position and maybe that's where they envision him. I don't know. They don't do a lot of interviews, uh, but maybe that's where they envision him 
to be able, and, and Quinn Snyder will talk about it, obviously, because he does interviews, and it's been uh, the break. But maybe they envision him in that type of role if they need him, uh, if Derek can't sit out, has to sit out or Rudy gets foul trouble or whatever. Maybe that's a spot where they're looking for him, not so much from the perimeter, but just as a bigger body inside. And that's where your John Colton is going. He tweets at us insurance for a faves or Gobert injury as well, right? And, you know, for all of you yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. well, he just doesn't have the size, they'd have to be more a small ball team. They would also have to change how they play. Because yeah, but who they're, they're, who they're playing, who has size now? It depends, right. Who are you matching up with in the playoffs? And are they going small ball for a while? And, you know, there are teams that try to go small ball and put five out and, and pull favors as far, or Gobert, as far away from the hoop as possible. You know, and open up the middle. So, mm-hmm. depending on when, when it happened and when you had to deal with it, it might be just what the doctor ordered. You don't know. All right, DJ and PK, coming up. Joe Ingles is going to join us a little after 8.30. Craig Bowlerjack at 9. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Jordan Schultz, insider analyst for ESPN. With the first half in the books and, and what you know of the Utah Jazz, do you believe they have a shot at the championship? When they had that great three-point shooting month in January when they broke the all-time record, I said multiple times, Utah is a contender, and Utah has a legitimate shot to win an NBA championship. They have everything you need. They have a great young player in Donovan Mitchell, a great coach, a force defensively in Rudy, a very good point guard. They have experience. They're consistent. They shoot the ball extremely well. I think they're right in that conversation. I'm not going to say they're the favorite, but I think to answer your question, there's a definitive yes, and that's the first time I think we've said that in a long time. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you apart by Davis Vision. Davis Vision giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, we got multiple questions up here on Facebook, DJ and PK, and one of the questions we have not addressed yet, a new one. I want to hit this for a few minutes before Joe Ingles joins us here in uh, 10 or 15 minutes. Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director, named the National Athletic Director of the Year. How appropriate is that? And Brad says, hell yeah, exclamation point. We were able to watch lots of football. I think the Athletic Director of the Year, that honor is earned for a wide variety of reasons. Uh, really good coaching hires, and you know, and your team has a big year. Um, but for Tom, in a most unusual year, and a most unusual football season, and an unusual job because he's an Athletic Director of a team that's independent. You know, and so for most of the ADs, football scheduling became a matter of going to conference meetings and hashing out what was best and how it could possibly work. And they all had to work as a group. And Tom, out on an island, with the whole schedule falling apart, chunk by chunk, like, uh, like you see those clips of the, uh, the glaciers melting and, and dropping the ice into the ocean, you know, Two games from this conference there. Three games from that conference over there. Every time a conference made a decision, another chunk of BYU's football schedule dropped in the ocean. And the fact that they were able to put this schedule together and then, you know, 
an assist to the the coach and the players because if they put the schedule together and won two games, I don't know if he would have gotten it. He might because still putting the schedule together was a trick. But the fact that they put the schedule together and then won so much and looked so good doing it, and then the cherry on top throwing that Coastal Carolina game together the week of the game (laughs) and hustling out there to play it and then having it be in such a a competitive, entertaining game. I get it wasn't entertaining for you BYU fans because you lost right at the end. But the overwhelming response, and, and PK and I, you know, talked about it we both read a lot of stuff and the thing was it was a weird after the game pk because most people didn't analyze what happened on the field they analyzed the vibe they got from the game happening at all and how much they loved it and appreciated it and i think if you had to bring it down to a moment although he got the award for the whole year that's the moment it's kind of like as ad to pull that off excellent job and that's why Tom Homo's the National Athletic Director of the Year. Yeah, I think it's both. I mean, your point is well taken. And go back and listen to the Pukunakua interview. Oh, yeah. Watched BYU football play this year. The Pac-12, you just sucked. Man, your decision-making was absolutely horrible. Well, There's they think no question they, about They that. think so, too. They fired their, their commissioner. Obviously. And, yeah. and Tom gets the games in. And he's the National Athletic Director of the Year. And I guess if yes. they'd gotten the games in and a lot of people had gotten sick, if they'd gotten the, if they'd gotten the game scheduled, but then a lot of people had gotten sick and they canceled a lot of the games. But wasn't Army the only one they lost? Well, they lost several, but when they rescheduled, they right. lost yes. 10 off the original that schedule. Was the but one amongst that, the because ones. Because of positive right. cases. Right. Yeah, I'm the, saying they the not only, only did they I schedule gotcha. play the games, the only but they COVID did it casualty right where, was yeah. Army. Yeah. He came up with two schedules this season. And the second schedule wasn't as sexy as the first one, but the fact that it was there did it. The, the, the philosophy that was clearly made in the summer, we're going to charge ahead, and knowing that there's going to be roadblocks and stumbles and obstacles and blah, 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 and stops and starts, knowing all that rather than just quitting was an absolute brilliant move. And he, along with others who were involved in that decision, deserved tremendous amount of credit and BYU took advantage of it. What a what a great year to have a lesser schedule because you had an NFL quarterback and some really good talent there, and you were better than everybody. And and the fact is, you slaughtered Boise, and Boise's recognized as a pretty good football program. Uh, last I checked, their program was recognized to the point where their coach got the Auburn job on that. Yes. You know, you want to me, you want to hear me shout. That's because I get tick, uh, get sick and tired. Well, Boise wasn't any good. Has BYU ever beaten a team in its history that was any good? <laughs> yeah, just... the youths. <laughs> well, I know, but we <laughs> keep hearing one. that. You I know. know the point I'm making. Every time they beat somebody, well, they're not that good. We were starting to hear it a little bit when they were up ten on Gonzaga. Well, Gonzaga doesn't want to be there. I was using Italian swear words that I grew up with when I saw that on social media. Shut up, man. We've got to give them credit at some point here. And the fact that they, they slaughtered Boise, Central Florida wasn't their best program, but they slaughtered them too. And, yeah, Tom Homo was an absolute stud this year. There's no doubt about it. I don't see how you could disagree. The Pac-12 dropped the ball literally and figuratively Big time. Some of their schools only played four friggin' games. Four. That's it. 
And for a conference that is striving to be relevant, I mean, come on, man. You might as well not even have had the season at that point. I mean, you were so far off the radar. And all these people, doom and gloom, well, BYU got in, what did they get in, 12 games? They go 11-1? Is that what it was? Correct. Yeah. Hats off to them for having the, the you-know-whats to, to, to proceed, to continue and against uh, what was viewed as, uh, at least in the West, progressive thinking, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. And, Tom, they persevered and they got it done. And did anybody die? Did I miss it? Nope. Yeah. So Tom is the national athletic director of. He's the, the international, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think that's a thing. Why not? <laughs> Simon Fraser. They play some of those. Teams. I knew that's you were going Canada. to Simon Fraser. There's no <laughs> doubt in my mind. I'm like, here comes a Simon Fraser reference. <laughs> that's the only one I could think of. That's because it's the only one there is. It's the only U- international school that participates in the U of NCAA. M, University of Montreal. <laughs> back in nope. the day, back in the day, Mexico Polytechnic. Some some California teams would go down Me- and play Mexico, Mexico Poly. Poly. All and you right. can look at media guides and you'll see the scores. But they don't they don't do that anymore. But back in <laughs> where, the day. Where was it? Mexico Poly, an absolute powerhouse, I'm sure. Where? It's in uh, I think it's in um uh it's not in Monterey. T- it's in Monterey. I, I, say, think. I think okay. Monterey, but I wouldn't guess like T one or anything. No, no, it's in Monterey. Okay. And they play quote unquote American football. If it was in Tijuana, I would have known about it. I've been to Tijuana. No, no, I think it's in Monterey. Because, okay. uh, well, you don't even want me to tell you why I know that. But <laughs> you start making fun of me again. Once upon a time in Monterey <laughs> with DJ. What, what, what it's soccer. It's soccer. They have, a good, they have a good club there, and they share a field. And so all the people who go nuts about watching soccer here on the fields that they share with NFL or colleges, oh, you can see the lines. It's terrible. It's all that. And RSL went and played them in a big game once upon a time in a CONCACAF oh, Champions game. League. And there were Conca lines Cap, all over yeah. the field. You're in Mexico, and there's lines that look like there's an NFL team playing there. Uh, they still play. They just don't play U.S. teams. But anyway. And so Tom Homo, stud of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, way to go. All right, DJ and PK, congrats to Tom on being the National Athletic Director of the Year. Coming up, Joe Ingles is going to join us next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Jay, we appreciate you jumping on with us. Thank you very much. Okay, yeah. It's our friend Jay Drew, writes for the Deseret News. Jay has, uh, speaking of tires, he's got some wear on his. You calling Jay old now? Jeez. No, 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 no. Jeez, I'm, calling, I'm calling him a veteran. <laughs> no, I'm not calling him old. I'm calling him old. I'm calling him experienced. Another word for old. I have great respect for both of you, but when it comes to a comment like that, it's sophisticated. You just have to look beyond what it appears to be. I don't think you're dumb. You're dumb. You're dumb. <laughs> That's what he did right there. I didn't call you dumb. You're dumb. There we go. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Joe Ingles is going to join us here in a few minutes. Checking in with him. Find out what he knows about Ursan Ilyasova, how much their paths have crossed, and what he thinks he can add to the team. Talk with him about that. And, uh, and then back from the All-Star break. What do you think, PK? Are you figuring, uh, I'll have to ask Joe about this, like 
today and tomorrow, will those be the, the one of them, not both of them, but one of them will be the toughest practice they have the rest of the year? The games are going to come so fast and furious, I can't imagine they're going to have that many really difficult practices. Probably need, probably need one to get back into it here. Tomorrow's game day, isn't it? Is today Thursday already? I don't even yeah. know what day of the week it is. I had Wednesday in my brain. I was going to say. So yesterday or today, not yeah, today or tomorrow. playing tomorrow. Yeah, I wasn't sure exactly what their schedule was for coming back. And also, apparently, I'm not sure what day of the week it is. Well, I know but, they got a game uh, tomorrow. And Friday, Sunday. Got, uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And I think they're, they're playing the Rockets tomorrow, and the Rockets play tonight, I think. Most so. of the NBA is playing tonight. It's a little odd that the, the Jazz aren't. There, there are a lot of games tonight. And the Rockets suck, so they should be able to, <laughs> to get a win. Uh, they went, set up for themselves tomorrow. They went into the break losing 13 in a row. Yeah. That is a special streak right there. And I think some some of their veteran guys, they're going to unload, probably P.J. Tucker at least, if not more. So uh, they're in a complete and total rebuild model. So I think that uh, it's not going to be easy. I'm not saying that, but the Jazz need to win this ball game. You need to put away teams you're supposed to put away, that's for sure. And so, uh, yeah, maybe they probably probably today. I assume they would uh, have some sort some sort of get together. I don't know to what degree how hard it needs to be. Now, this is a veteran ball club. Uh, I think that you were relying on the players to do something at least aerobically to keep yourself and your legs in some type of condition. And I think they will because it is a veteran ball club, and they know they've got a lot at stake, and they got an opportunity here to do something that is the pinnacle. So I would suspect that uh, every player on his roster, the young players, of course, are going to do it because they need to, to do everything they can to stay in the league. And the veterans, they get what's at stake here. And this is an extremely veteran ball club. And so the, I, I wouldn't imagine that that would have been an issue. I don't know to what degree they'll go hard. Uh, Joe can answer that maybe and, and tell us as far as that goes. Or he may not know because if it's later to this morning or today, uh, so I think it's important for them, though, to reestablish themselves to the level. Rockets and Kings tonight. So the Rockets will be on a uh, back-to-back and one of those 2 or 3 a.m. arrival times and all of that, plus they've yeah. lost 13 in a row. So mm-hmm. really everything, everything working against them. All right, it's time for the Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK, brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. As the longest-serving credit union in Utah, Cypress Credit Union is here to help with all your financial needs. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz, Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, you had the all-star break. You had time with Renee and the kids. You got to put your feet up a little bit, mentally get away from hoops. So I just wondered if you're feeling good after all of that, refreshed, revitalized, ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it's. I went in and uh, worked out yesterday, and Dennis was there and asked how I felt, and I was like, if we could have 
all star break like once a month, I'd be I'd be able to play forever. But, um, no, it's, it's obviously nice to um, kind of get away for a little bit, spend some time with the family. Like I said um, last week, I felt like uh, Jack's three months now, and I feel like I um, have barely seen him or spent any time with him. So just to, to be with Renee and the kids and, and hang out a little bit, and um, yeah, like I said, kind of kind of switch off for a minute. So for you, uh, being 33 years of age, what's more important, a physical or mental rest? Uh, probably both. <laughs> um, uh, I think, like I've said before, I, I know my body obviously now and, and kind of what I need to do and, and what I don't need to do when I need to take a break or whatever. And um, but I, I think just the, the schedule we've got and with everything else in place, with the, the testing and all that that goes on this year, mentally it has been a bit more draining. Um, we've been testing all over the place. On the road, we have to test at like 11, 12 o'clock at night as the last test. When we're at home, we have to drive back in the, the evening and test every night. And so just the, the, obviously it's, um, there's, a, there's a, lot, a lot worse going on in the world, but, but obviously for us, it's a bit different. So yeah, just a a nice break from from both of them um still went into the the gym we stayed in utah the whole time so still went into the gym a couple of times and got some some lifts in and some workouts and some shots up and stuff so um first practice back tonight um so yeah we'll be, be ready to go so do you have one hard practice break a sweat go five on five go at it a little bit to really get back into it or you're veterans, and that would be a waste of time and energy, and Quinn would never do that. How does that work? No, nah, well, I well, I don't know uh, what Quinn's thinking most of the time, but um, I would I would say we would do something kind of pretty intense tonight just to get after a little bit. I think having a, a more veteran team, I think guys know what they needed to do during the break to, to stay ready um, and to be ready for, for Friday. Um, but I think regardless of what everyone was doing, still to get to, together on the court, play some five and five, actually get up and down a little bit, I think it would be, be good for our group. So we, we've done that every every time um, since I've been here for, for Quinn's seven years. So I assume we would do something. Um, obviously, as a team, we'll get some shots up, probably get a little a lift in, get a sweat up, like you said, get up and down a little bit and um, get into some recovery before obviously playing tomorrow. So going forward here, man, you guys got a slew of games. I mean, you, for the next three weeks at least, and I haven't looked beyond that, you got four games each of those three weeks apiece. Uh, how is it going to be physically, that veteran ball club, to make sure that you guys can find some ways to stay fresh? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously as a as a player in the team, as a competitor, you, you, want, you want to be out there as much as possible. Um, and, and play as much as possible. Um, uh, I think the benefit of our group is is the depth we've got, and, and obviously adding Urson, Urson as well. Um, we're, we're a deep team, so I feel like there's there's probably times that, that Quinn will. I don't know if he'll rest guys or, or what will happen, but um, yeah, just just be smart with it because obviously we've we've started off well. We've We've got a good record at the moment and all that, but we, we obviously need to keep it going. But we flip side of that, we, we need to be fresh and kind of ready for the playoffs too. So uh, you, 
we, we obviously still want to win games and, and be playing the right way, the way we want to play. But um, I have no doubt at some point guys will be in and out a little bit. Obviously, there's there's injuries and, and all that as well. So, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll be smart about it. We've got a, a great uh, performance healthcare team that'll that'll kind of be on top of that. And we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. But uh, I think as a, as a player, you want to be out there as much as you can. You mentioned the performance healthcare team, and uh, that involves a lot of people doing a lot of different things. I don't think fans know how complete and thorough a team that is. Part of that, um, the massage therapy you go you go through, and a guy I only knew a little bit, but he was always really nice to talk to, and a guy you knew really well, Doug Brell passed away during this uh, All-Star break. He's only 51, and understand he had cancer and all that. And we just see from how many guys, not just current players, but former players, uh, were on social media. That that hit everybody pretty hard, didn't it? Yeah, it was uh, obviously, oh, it's, I mean, the stuff to, to talk about because it's so fresh and, and new. Um, but yeah, he, he was battling cancer for a little while and um, got himself back and, and ready for the, the bubble, which I think for... For him now, I know kind of what's happened this this past few days. I, I think the bubble experience for him um, would have been something really special just to be with our group, and he he did have to battle back just to be healthy enough to come to that. So I think for for him to to get that experience um, with, with our group, and like you said, he, he was he was such a big part of our group. He was kind of that glue guy off the court. I, I would say he, he'd been here for for 21 years with the Jazz. Um, I think three or four years before that with just Carl and, and John who hired him as a as a private massage therapist and then he got brought on with the Jazz in 99, I think. So, um, unbelievable guy, um, which, I mean, as long as I'm here and I, I think as long as anyone that's a part of the Jazz, I think they'll, they'll always, Doug, Doug will always be talked about. Everyone that ever plays for the Jazz from now on will, will always know about him. And, um, yeah, just a, obviously extremely extremely sad day because I mean I was FaceTiming him a week ago or whatever it was talking to him and, and no hints of, of him feeling any worse or anything um, he would always be that, that positive guy no matter obviously how he was feeling so um, walking into to his massage room will, will always will always be different now um, will always feel different um, but like I said he'll I mean, me personally, but I know the Jazz won't as well. He'll never be forgotten around here. Um, he was a, a pretty integral part of, of our group. So, um, sad day for for all of Jazz fans and obviously the inner inner sanctum that, that really knew him. Um, and obviously to, to Melissa, his wife, and his three daughters that will, uh, will always be here to, to support her and, and, her, and his girls and, and anything they need. So... Um, yeah, tough, a tough week for, for, for all of us. Have you had any interaction with uh, Ilya Silva along the way? Um, I did hear you knuckleheads talking about um, <laughs> someone asking a European if they knew him and figured that every European yeah. knows yeah, everybody. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I've, I've been asked, like, oh, you know John from Australia, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> There's, 20, there's 23 million people in Australia. Like, no, I don't know John from Wollongong in Australia. Um, but no, I, I mean, I, I, I've known, obviously known of him. I've 
kind of brief interactions um, with him. Uh, we we both played for, for Barcelona for a little bit there, not together, but so there's, there's a little bit of that. But um, yeah, obviously a, a good player that for, for whatever reason didn't didn't have a job up to now and did. I mean, I think what goes unnoticed a little bit is he he did have a fairly decent contract that was going to be guaranteed when he got traded to Sacramento for Bogdanovich and the trade fell through and then they needed Milwaukee needed that money for other other guys. So um, yeah, just a, a a really good fit for us, I think. You know, my wife uh, was in California and went to grad school in Chicago and literally got asked, Joe, you're from California? She's from Montana. Do you know each other? Are you kidding me? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. People on the East Coast. No idea. Uh, Joe, the other thing we need to ask you about is that uh, we couldn't help but notice in the middle of the All-Star break that you started a NASCAR race in Las Vegas and looked like you might have done it from an office in Utah. You a big NASCAR fan? What was going on there? <laughs> um, it wasn't from anywhere in Utah. I actually did the video on the road one trip um, for the for yeah for, for the for the NASCAR race. So um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was something I probably never thought I'd do. I didn't really know. I, I the only thing I probably regret is I didn't watch any previous and en- en- like video entries of how to how they started and there was obviously some much more passionate videos than mine <laughs> but i just didn't know it was something i'd uh i never knew or never thought i'd do so i didn't really i so i i do regret that not not kind of doing a bit more research but um yeah it was it was pretty cool um i had a lot of messages about it and um yeah it was something something cool to do it's so a one-year anniversary of everything coming to a halt when you guys were in OKC. You got any memories that you want to share? Um, I mean, it was, yeah, I don't know, pretty, I guess it's been a pretty crazy 12 months if you think about it. Um, we had probably just kind of, or we were probably heading to shoot-around now, more or less, or during shoot-around, and figured we were going to be playing a regular game like we had for X amount of games before that and um, yeah and then obviously everything kind of happened so um, I think the hardest the hardest part the saddest part is kind of how many people and businesses and individuals have, have lost jobs or, or companies and businesses have either shut down or, or lost a lot of business and um, I was kind of joking and Renee was kind of laughing but kind of upset so like, like she she literally hasn't left the house in 12 months like it's with obviously the nba stuff and the protocols and and obviously three kids and and prior to this being pregnant and all that um she literally has not left the house for anything <laughs> like so um they're, they're the parts i kind of think about that are that obviously hurt and are, and are sad and um yeah been a it's been a crazy 12 months it's hopefully it's we're obviously in a lot better place now than where we were 12 months ago or, or six months ago. So hopefully if the vaccine keeps keeps calm and people keep doing that, people, be, people keep being smart with, with masks or whatever the, the rules are, hopefully soon we can uh, go back to some sort of normalcy and feel free again. 
That'd be good. I think you can get a lot of people to second that. Can you can you explain to people how different the NBA lifestyle is than it was a year ago? How much everything has changed for you guys? Because people see you playing the games without fans, but I don't know how much they know behind the scenes how different things are. Oh, it's it's not. And it's almost we were kind of joking with our rookies of like. You'll actually have to re- redo your rookie year next year because <laughs> there's nothing they can they can do or we can do or we can't even make them do anything for us because there's nothing to do. So um, no, it's it's I, I, like you said. I, I think the crowd is the obvious one, which is still it's still different. Like I think the weirdest part is like especially for for jazz fans or for for, the, for our team. We I think we were one of the first to have fans we upped our fans probably first as well um so we are pretty used to kind of having fans in the arena so when we go to other arenas and they don't that's that's different for us because we we're probably more used to it than a lot of other teams but um yeah i mean obviously not a, a normal year we could i mean if you're at home you can obviously kind of do whatever you want we can go to restaurants we can go to Utah Utes game, you can go to football game, like whatever you want to do, it's it's normal living. Um, obviously now, I don't even know exactly what the rules are, but we're not allowed to really do anything with going out to eat in like an enclosed area. So I think we could. I think I I, I had I don't even go out to eat, so I haven't really read the rules. But I think you can go out to eat if it's outdoors and you like six feet away from people. Um, on the road is probably the biggest changes. Um, just because you would normally fly into a city and guys would have family or friends or whoever, the other team, um, someone you know, and, and go and catch up and have dinner. Or um, I would go to see, go have dinner at Paddy Mills' house um, if we flew into San Antonio and vice versa. So literally on the road, we're, we're not allowed to leave that room. So if we order food, it has to be either room service or Uber Eats. Um, obviously can't do any like seeing any people we, we test twice sometimes three times in a day depending on the time of the game um, so it's yeah it's extremely different it's not like a, <laughs> there's a lot of times that we would land in a city and, and I wouldn't see my teammates until a shoot around um, guys have like I said family friends or whatever it is they might be from that city and go home for the night or whatever it is so um, yeah really different but again kind of is what it is at this point until we figure out um, more vaccines or or whatever whatever the the best way um, to be able to move forward but um, yes it's crazy but it is what it is I again I can't complain we can't complain we we're still getting paid a stupid amount of money to to throw basketball around whether there's a thousand people in the gym, ten thousand or, or no fans. So, um, yeah, can't complain too much. So, as you manage this boredom when you're on the road, has it maybe helped concentration in terms of basketball, or not at all? I think you get a a bit of both. It's um, obviously you can concentrate you more and all that because there's nothing to do. Also, the the boredom, kind of the boredom part of it. Like guys probably watching games more, over-analyzing performances more a little bit because I, I know I used to do that a lot when, like, prior to Renee and the kids or when Renee would go home for the second half of the season, I would finish a game. And this was in Europe too, like, finish a game and then um, 
I would go home and if I'd played bad or whatever, I'd be watching the game and kind of in my own head a little bit about what, what I've done wrong or what I what I need to do. Like, and you, for me, which I've, I mean, we've spoken about it before, but for me, like, the best feeling is going home to Renee and the kids and trying to get to sleep as soon as possible or, or Renee telling me stories about what happened at dinner or bedtime with the kids or, or whatever and kind of completely, for, for me anyway, kind of zoning away from that. Um, uh, I think for me personally, it's it's been a big reason of, of my play and what I've been able to kind of just focus on when I'm in the gym, I'm I'm locked in and I'm all there. But then when I'm away from it, it's complete opposite. I don't think about basketball. I don't really talk about basketball. And um, so I think guys will be different. Some guys will, like I know Donovan is a massive basketball watcher. Like he, he will watch every game, college, NBA. He'll have three screens in his room watching different sports and all that. Where I watched Married at First Sight with Renee last night. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of COVID, we understand you have to go get tested, so we need to let you go. The machine marches on. The machine keeps grinding. It never blinks. It never sleeps, Joe. It did. We were testing the whole All-Star break. I'm currently sitting out in front of the practice facility where probably about 80% of our team is here about to get tested and then go home for the day and come back and practice tonight when we get our results. There you go. All right, Joe. Well, thanks for a window into your world. Congrats on your NASCAR debut. Next time you do it, you can just really start screaming and hollering. I know. If I, well, if I ever get an invite back, which I probably won't because I don't know how many fans, I'll, I think it was uh, someone did it the next day and they sent it. Someone tweeted it to me like, this is how it's supposed to be done. And he was like <laughs> on the stage screaming. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So if I ever get another chance. NASCAR, if you ever give me another chance, I promise it'll be better. Okay. All right, Joe, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, there you go. There is Joe Ingles, his weekly visit. And that was, uh, that was Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback, who got up there and sold it, brought the high-energy performance. All right, uh, Joe Ingles, the Joe Ingles Show, brought to you by Cypress Credit Union, where your future is our future. All right, coming up, Craig Bolderjack, TV voice of the jazz, is going to join us next. Stay with us.